0: Yesterday, here on Study Verse by Verse, Pastor Leighton Sheely had us in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, looking at a couple of prophecies of the Lord Jesus Christ that is presented to Daniel. And then it all ties in with the Passover and why Jesus shows up at just the right time and how important it really is. And then, of course, we're in John chapter 11, because day after tomorrow, We celebrate Palm Sunday, and that really is what this has been all about. What is Palm Sunday? Why is it so important to kick off Passion Week, or Easter Week, as we call it? Well, these are questions we're answering with Pastor Leighton Sheely here on Study Verse by Verse. Won't you join us? From Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno, and today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse, here's Pastor Leighton. Listen carefully so that you can
1: understand the meaning of your vision. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place or the most holy one. Now listen and understand, seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, the Messiah, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with cities and strong defenses despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The end will come with a flood, and war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. Have you ever wondered why there is no peace in the Middle East? The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, uh, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration. In Hebrew, it's the abomination of desolation. Until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. So this prophecy was delivered while Israel was still held captive in Babylon. And it foretold that there would come an anointed one who appeared to accomplish nothing. Now think about that. Jesus came and was... Uh, recognized as king on Sunday, and on Friday of the same week, he ended up on a cross. For some, it might appear like he accomplished nothing. But we know from God's word that that was all done according to God's plan, and that he accomplished a whole lot more than nothing. Peer's appears to accomplish nothing, the destruction of the temple and the end of sacrifices and offerings. Now, in some translations, you'll find the word translated uh, weeks instead of sevens. The Hebrew word is hebdamas, and it means septenaries or seven. So it can refer to a week, but it's not limited to necessarily referring to a week. It's any group of seven. The late Sir Robert Anderson marshaled proofs to uh, show that our Savior entered Jerusalem on the very day that was marked in the prophecy of Daniel, chapter 9. Now, yet another prophecy is fulfilled, and that's found in Zechariah, chapter 9. In fact, the Scriptures reference that. Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout, in triumph, O people of Jerusalem, "'Look, your King is coming to you! "'He is righteous and victorious!' And yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, Jesus had given instructions to his disciples to go and find this donkey, this colt. In every time previous that Jesus had come to Jerusalem to celebrate, he had always just walked in with his disciples like the rest of the crowd. But this time, Jesus did something different. He told his disciples to go and find this colt. And he came riding in on a colt. Jesus, sometime previous to this, had asked the apostles, Who do you say that I am? And it was with that question that Peter gave his response of faith, Jesus being the Messiah and the Son of God. And Jesus told his disciples, You're not to speak of this. You're to keep it a secret. Well, on that day, it was no longer a secret. When Jesus got on that donkey and and rode in, he was announcing that he was the king, that he was the Messiah. You see, riding into city on either a donkey or another animal was an indication of a king who was coming. He was also goading the leaders into taking action. You see, when we look at the gospel account in Matthew, we find that the leaders wanted to arrest Jesus when he came to the feast because they anticipated that he would because he had a pattern of coming to the feast. They wanted to arrest him, but they wanted to secret him away someplace until the crowds dispersed. And they didn't want to kill him during the celebration because it might cause a riot. They wanted to kill him quietly afterwards. But that wasn't God's plan. You see, in order for the Passover lamb to be the Passover lamb, the lamb has to be killed on Passover. And Jesus had to be crucified on Passover. In fact, Caiaphas said, do you not understand that it is better for you to have one man die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed? Now, what was the context of that statement of Caiaphas? This was the concern. If Jesus was declaring himself to be a king and coming into the city of Jerusalem and they did nothing, Caesar in Rome was going to find out that there was somebody who was claiming to be a king. And there is no king but Caesar. And the result is the Roman armies would come down and sweep away Jerusalem and the temple and the people because Jesus had the audacity to claim to be a king. Do you remember what they said when he stood before Pilate? If you don't take care of this guy, you're no friend of Caesar. And if you're not a friend of Caesar, you're an enemy of Caesar. And if you're an enemy of Caesar, watch out. And so by Jesus coming in and claiming to be the king, he goaded those leaders into taking action that resulted in his crucifixion that coincided with Passover so that he could be... Our Passover lamb. Now, I mentioned to you that there were two ways uh, that uh, a a king could announce himself coming into a city. He could come in on a donkey. For us, we might uh, not think of the donkey as anything but a lowly and despised animal, but in the East, it is a noble animal. And when a king came riding a donkey, what he was saying is he was coming in peace. And Jesus Christ came in peace to be our Prince of Peace. But he was rejected. Now the scriptures tell us that he is coming back. But next time he comes back, he will not be riding a donkey. You see, if you rode a donkey as an incoming king, you came in peace. But if you rode a horse, you were coming to bring judgment. And if it was a white horse, it was especially significant. And the Bible tells us in Revelation 19 that Jesus is returning. Then I saw heaven opened and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name inscribed that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, wearing fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron." He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name inscribed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Someday, Jesus Christ is coming back, but it's not on a donkey, it's on a horse. He's coming back to establish his forever kingdom. Now, I want to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head. I want to ask a question, and it's a question that you don't have to give an answer to me. It's a question for you, between you and God. You see, it's not enough just to believe that Jesus Christ was the Savior of the world. He must be your own personal Lord and Savior. Now, the Scriptures say that you will find Him if you seek Him, with all your heart. And I think some of us don't find him because we really aren't seeking him with all of our heart. We're seeking him, we're, we're him half heartedly. The scriptures say you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart. There's one path to begin your search on, and that is through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ said, I am the way the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. So our search for God must be wholeheartedly, and it must be through Christ Jesus. If you've not yet made your declaration of faith in Jesus Christ as being your Lord and Savior, I invite you to make that decision today. We have more reason than any Previous generation in the history of the world to believe that Jesus Christ is returning very, very soon. Even so, Lord, come quickly. Lord, we are so thankful that you have given us your word, and through it we can gain understanding into why things are the way they are. And through them, we can know of your plan and your provision. We can know of your love and your mercy and your forgiveness. We can know of your salvation through Jesus Christ, the Passover Lamb. We can know that you've gone to prepare a place for us. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for your spirit that brings spiritual life. Lord, in this holy week, give us opportunities to share the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And give us the words to say in each case for that person. Thank you, Lord, for hearing
0: our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. With that, we come to the end of our look at Palm Sunday, that which we celebrate day after tomorrow. Now, next week here on Study Verse by Verse, we'll spend the entire week looking at the Easter message and just how important it is to live out this Easter message 365 days out of the year, 24-7. This has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Layton Sheely. Information about the church, Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno, and our radio program, Study Verse by Verse, it can be found at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Have a marvelous weekend, and until Monday, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.